0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: In the fall, each year we all congregate, the found all gathered at the
0: church of The scriptures read from the book of favorite birth, my God, of Drunk and obnoxious with well, Georgia Faith. Ain't nothing fine, in the Now the 3,000 of our best friends.
1: It's Saturday, and Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, and we are beyond elated today to be joined by a very special guest. We have the voice of Sanford Stadium, a University of Georgia grad, and certainly a damn good dog, Brooke Whitmire with us today. Brooke, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Herschel.
0: Glad to be here.
1: So I got to start off with this fall was your 30th year. In the booth as the voice of Sanford. And
0: what an anniversary present that the dogs gave you, right? Still can't believe it, Herschel. And I know if, if, if you're like me and a lot of other dogs, every now and again I just have to step back and say, Wait, we're the freaking national champions. And it's been a long time coming, but man, what a year. So I posted
1: something similar to this. I, I on our Instagram a couple weeks back, I posted a video. And it was of the pregame lead up to the team running out onto the field. And I couldn't help but think listening to that and hearkening back on that video to to my family's visit for the South Carolina game is what it will feel like this year. When you come over the loudspeaker and say, if your blood runs red and black, get on your feet and make some noise for your national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. (laughs)
0: It says something about dog nation. Herschel, I will tell you that since the natty, I don't I can't tell you the number of times fans have said friends and others have said the exact same thing. And I think that speaks to the love that we all have for the dogs, um, the anticipation we've all had for this moment. And I I, got to tell you, it wasn't I didn't go to sleep in Indianapolis or after Indianapolis without didn't get out of the stadium without somebody saying that. And we got a taste of that at that incredible celebration. But it will be a lot of fun. And it's something, listen, man, these things are these things are hard to come by. It is it, people talk about it's been 41 years and it has. Well go back and look how long it was between Auburn's national championships, LSU's a lot longer than ours, which some people find hard to believe. It's just not easy to do. So we need to enjoy the heck out of this. There's no guarantee when the next one is coming, although I, I'm, I'm upbeat about that. Uh, so let's enjoy it. And, a, and, man, every chance you get to say we're the national champions or defending national champions, take it. Do it.
1: It's interesting you say that because it's something uh, my co-host and I have talked about is that previously, because our only experience was not being a national champion, the countdown to the season was always you know, with bated breath, in these hopes that this will be the year, right? And so this off season has been a unfamiliar dynamic and it's been incredible. And he and I have talked about how nice it's been to just bask in it and just enjoy it and, and kind of be present in it. And I think to your point, we're, we're the same way. We feel very confident that another one will come and in much shorter time because of what's being developed and built and what's been put in place by Kirby, the coaching staff, and the administration. But at the same time, boy, it's nice to just live in this moment right now and kind of, I don't know, enjoy it with each other as a community, right?
0: That's exactly correct. That's exactly correct. And let's all hope for another one soon. But listen, and I I think that says something, too, Herschel, about expectations. We all have them, um, and they can get unrealistic. A great season. I mean, you know, step back and, and think about being in the top 10, being in contention for an SEC championship, playing in the toughest league in America and having a shot. That's a great season. We're at a level now that's beyond that. And I, I hope people can keep uh, – wishful thinking probably, but – I. I think it's important to keep expectations in check because you can have a fan. And we've had this through the years. You can have a fantastic team that's championship caliber. But for whatever reason, you're you're this far away or it's an injury or it's a bad break or it's a quite frankly, it might be officiating. It might be any number of things that that keep you from getting to the mountaintop. Um, But that mountaintop sure is sweet now. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. It's a great place to be.
1: I'm interested to get your take on this just because of your proximity to the program and just the fact that you've seen so much while you've been there. But in your estimation, what do you think was different about this group? What do you think set them apart and allowed them to get to the mountaintop?
0: You know, Coach Dooley used to say, Herschel, and he was right, that the 1980 team personified the word team in a way that he had never, he had never seen. And, and I don't know, and I've I've had the the privilege of getting to know a number of these guys that are on our team, not through announcing through some other means. And, you know, I would tell you that the, the, the caliber of character, first of all, the senior leadership, just the intangible. And and, and I don't know, I'm sure others would say the same, but in Charlotte, that Clemson game, I, I turned to my family, gosh, probably the second series, and said, I'm pretty sure I've never seen a defense with the speed like this one's got. Yep. But beyond that, too, you can have all the talent in the world and still not have a team. And I know you've spoken with Mode and some other guys about this. There's just something that clicks. There's something that clicks. There's a togetherness. I know the word's been used a lot, but it's, it's apropos. There's a connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a – truly, there's a love – and then that momentum gets going and then, you know, you need some breaks along the way, you need some things to go right. But this team was just special. And, and I, I think, I don't know, I, I was around for 80 as a kid and, and was at Georgia shortly thereafter, close enough with some people that were there and a part of the team. And there's just some point along the way where you can just sense we've got something special. And, I could speculate on what that point was for me personally, as a, just as a fan, like everybody else. But it was clear, I think, pretty early on that this was a special group. And then, you know what? Dan McGill used to always say this you got to have the horses. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, what I mean? <laughs> that helps. <He's> <laughs> you, and he, in fact, he used to say, Herschel, and I, I love this. He's so right. You got to have the horses. You got to have luck with injuries. And you've got to have coaching that does more good than harm, I and mean, he kind of said that tongue-in-cheek, and that's true, and it doesn't hurt if the other guy doesn't have the horses that year or maybe doesn't have some luck with injuries, and Lord knows we've had our years where injuries are all that probably separated us, but we had the horses. Let's make no mistake about it. You look at that defense and the offense. I mean, people underrate the offense. The offense was unbelievable, and the job that Stetson led and so many other guys did, we're a heck of a team, and, and we got a lot coming back.
1: I'm really glad you brought up Clemson because we were there and and about first quarter, we looked at each other and said, look at the sideline. And there wasn't um, in years past, and this is normal, right? This isn't like it was just a Georgia thing, but there's generally a segmentation between the defensive units and the offensive units. And they occupy their spaces on the sideline and they kind of stay in their collective units. And, you know, they're collectively rooting for each other, but their passion is with their unit. And it was very, very evident within the first quarter of that Clemson game how cohesive this team was and how much they were all celebrating each other's victories. And we were kind of like, man, who knows if this will become anything, but this just feels good watching this because these kids seem to really have each other's back. And boy, did that play itself out, I felt like. I always felt like it was much more of a team over me type type environment than than I have ever seen. So, and yeah. to your point with that depth of talent and also the unselfishness that they displayed as a, as a group, man, they were, they
0: were tough. And I think beloved because of that. Right. Question. And, and you know, there's down through the years and we all have our, our histories and I tell you the older I get, the more I can go back, I guess, but they are just those teams and, and I love this, um, Herschel, it, it's it's fun calling, talking to somebody who's named Herschel, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there's just the the Georgia teams down through the decades and through the generations that have truly been DGD, Georgia to the core teams, are the ones with that heart, the ones with that never say die, the ones with that we're not going to quit, and there's love, and there's there's we, we defy the expectations. That's Georgia. It's not necessarily – Hey, we line up and we're the very, very best talented team at every position. We're just going to go out there and out talent you. And again, got to have the horses. But gosh, when you can, um, and, and I'm getting into some fundamentals here and, and some philosophy. But let's not forget this either: kicking and defense still win. Okay, yep. Yep. kicking and win. And when when um, gosh after we all put ourselves up off of the floor after Kiwi took it to the house in Indianapolis, you know, one thing we didn't worry about at all. We didn't worry about Alabama doing a house call and breaking our hearts because we knew Jake Camarda was going to put that thing where he's been putting it all year long through the back end zone. And we knew when we had to flip the field, we could. And again, not to undermine offense. We had a heck of an offense and you got to score points. You got to score more points than the other guy. But this idea that, oh man, Defense and kicking, that's the thing of the past. We turned that on its head this year, and, and it showed. So I want to learn about
1: your path to the announcing booth, and I want you to start by telling us and telling our listeners a little bit about your family, your mom and daddy, because mm-hmm. your love of Georgia is not just because you're an alumnus, but you are also born into it and have lineage at Georgia. So tell us a little bit about your family and your
0: path to your passion for Georgia. Herschel, it's a joy to do that, and, and thank you for rightfully pointing out that my lineage uh, goes back, and I got to start with my dad, Dan Whitmire, who was a DGD, if there's ever been a DGD, and my dad, I'll tell you briefly, and I could, I could go into a lot longer story, but he was born during the Great Depression, somehow made his way to the University of Georgia in 1946 and graduated in 1950, and so... For years, he didn't get married until he was 37, worked in the insurance business. And for years, Herschel, back when the rules were really different, all my dad did outside of work was that he was a recruiter for Georgia football. That wasn't his job. He wasn't paid for it. It was a volunteer basis. But in the 50s and 60s, he traveled with the team. He recruited guys. He and the great Dan McGill, who I was privileged to know from a young age on, they traveled around the state of Georgia in the 50s in a car, asking people for $10 to help start the Georgia Bulldog Club. This was back during the drought, which I'll probably get to here in a minute, which was an incredibly difficult time for Georgia people. And so for me, Herschel, all I ever knew growing up was the dogs and Georgia. And my dad was a great family guy. um, And we would often, more often than not, have dinner as a family. And then on a lot of nights, he'd go back into the bedroom to call prospects to recruit for the dogs. And so he was good enough to take me to recruiting meetings back in the day. And, and we made a lot of road trips together, but it was inevitable for me to start going to Georgia games. And I did try to figure this out. Herschel. I, I I believe I went to some in 1975, but I started in earnest in 1976 and didn't miss one until October of 81. had to miss the temple game and haven't missed one between the edges since. So, been a minute, it's been a while, but it was because of my dad. And I knew that I wanted to be involved with Georgia some in some fashion. Actually didn't play youth football growing up because it was on Saturday mornings. And that ruled that out. Cause we were going to be one place <laughs> that was that was between the hedges. Or thankfully, and my dad for many, many years didn't miss a road game either. So we went to all the road games and um, I knew that I wanted to be involved. And so for me, when I came to Georgia in the fall of 1986, I was a actually a trainer for three years on coach Dooley's last three teams, which was oh, cool honor, a privilege. I could talk for however long you want to talk about coach Dooley and his impact on anybody that was associated with this program, myself included. And then after three years of doing that, I had the the wonderful opportunity to go to work as a, Student in the what we called at that time the sports information department, now sports communications, with the great Claude Felton, who's still yeah. there and a legend in his own right. And Herschel, from time to time, I was a broadcast journalism major, business minor. Uh, from time to time, they needed somebody that would fill in and announce a G Day game, or that time we had a JV team and did that some and never really had any notion that I might have the opportunity to do, to, to do the main job. There was a Wonderful guy that I grew up listening to, Larry England, who was the stadium announcer for a number of years. And um, he moved away. He was a radio guy, and in 1991 was his. I graduated in 1990, 1991. Larry England announced his last year. He and his family moved away. And Claude called me one day and asked me if I'd like to give it a shot and see what happens. And so. Didn't take me long to answer that question and thought, well, hopefully I won't get fired you know, too quickly. And that was <laughs> 1992. So I'm dating myself for a little bit, but um, it's a privilege and it's an honor. And it's all the things that come along with that. And I, I say that as a, as a, as a boy who grew up loving everything about Sanford stadium and everything about Saturdays in between the hedges and everything about, game day and all that came along with it. So it's a thrill that I'll never get over. Promise you.
1: So there's, there's two things I really love about your story. The first is that connection, right? That father son connection and that, and, and my brother and I have talked about this a lot because we attend a lot of games together. I want the dogs to win as much as anybody. Okay. I mean, I love them and it's great when they win, but As the years have progressed, my experience as a fan and the joy of being part of this community has been the time I get to spend with my brother or now the time where we take my kids and watch them experience it for the first time. Like South Carolina this year was my daughter's first time between the hedges. And we were watching a video this weekend of her uh, when the red lights came on lighting up Sanford after the third quarter and she's dancing and doing the air drums. And we were just like, man, this is what it's about, you know? And we end up telling the stories about the trips as much as we do about the games. And so I love that. And so I love that that's a piece of your story because I think it brings an authenticity to your role as the public address announcer for the games, right? Because you're one of us. That's not something you can manufacture. That's real.
0: Thank you. And I'm telling you, I, I appreciate more than you know you're understanding that. And I will tell you that you are spot on because I'm living and dying like everybody else. And you mentioned your daughter, Herschel. I've got a daughter who's now a junior at Georgia and a son who's going to be a freshman in August at Georgia. The time goes by so fast. Yeah. And you will live and die those games with your, with your children. And they'll be, like you said, hey, man, I don't want to win as much as anybody. I really, really do but the treasure and the joy is in the memories and the time that you get to spend with your family. And you listen, man, we never know. And we're all blessed. I, I told Allie, our daughter, I'm like, and she knows this I said, you're a national champion while you're a student at Georgia. Yeah. Think about that. And, and you know, the family's Herschel that, um, God, like, that, uh, this wasn't the case for you or me, but there's families who lost their loved one, their their dad, their you know, brother, whatever, and didn't get to experience what we did. So we gotta yeah. be thankful. and we gotta live it and enjoy it. And, and I know you do, and it's um it's remarkable, personal, how many people and, and it always makes me feel good. People I'll have people that and you can tell a DGD if somebody knows somebody recognizes who the stadium announcer is and all they do is hear them. I'm like, I'll tell people, people come up to me in restaurants and say, Hey, you're, or, you know, they'll see my name. And I'm like, you gotta be a DGD. If you've never seen my face, <laughs> somehow I'm like, and look, man, they're, I, I, their love is with Georgia and anybody could be doing the announcing, but when they say something like, Hey, you know, you help our game day experience or whatever, or, we like this, that you do or that, that you do. Number one, that means a ton to me personally, but number two that just reinforces what you just said, and that is – that's a fan, a family, a marriage, a, a, a father-son who they they know what you and I know, and that is the joy of getting up on a Saturday morning and going to a game with the ones that you love and living and dying and celebrating and, you know, some cases like Corey Smith scenes, making that long drive back from Jacksonville. Yeah. A few times, 500 miles from a game we absolutely should have won. You know, we yeah. all get – but at the end of the day, it's about the ones that you love. And again, and, going back to the team, uh, Herschel, as you know, talking to those guys, that that's what they have there too. I mean, it, it's beyond winning a ring. The ring's great, but it's a lot more than that, for sure. So the other one of the compelling things I, I
1: think about your story too is, and I'm so interested to hear your take on this, but how neat is it for you and how cool is it for you that growing up how you did with the fandom that you had and the connections that you had to the university and all the games that you've been to, now you are woven into the fabric of the game day experience for Georgia Bulldog fans. How special is that? And how how much are you able to take a step back from that and go, man, this is awesome.
0: You know, Herschel, I I would tell you, again, great question. And um, I've never gotten over the thrill. And I, I, can, I can say that because growing up and I um, had the chance to get to know Larry Munson along the way, unbelievable on, on every front. And for me, growing up, I, I was in the stadium. I wasn't listening on the radio. A lot of people, their memory is they're on the dock at the lake and they're listening to Munson paint the picture as only he can. And I had that joy at some road games that we weren't at. But for me, it was about being there it was about being there and it was about drinking a Coke out of the POS cup that came around and to Larry England say what he did and the red coats and all of that. So for me, every time, and I'm not, I don't mean this cliche or, or, or to sound whatever the word is, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic as I say this, but I never get over the thrill of walking into Sanford stadium and G day is the most recent time, but I'm telling you something. And I know you were there too. Walking in that place for that January celebration is unlike, I mean, I just about broke down walking in the place because I'm like, we're back and we're national champions. So it never gets old. It's an honor. It is a privilege. I I view it as a responsibility. Uh, But make no mistake, man, I'm a homer. I love the dogs. I'm living and dying up there. People will say, how do you you stay calm? And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't. You just don't (laughs) see it. Um, thankfully, there's a button there. I get to push and not push. <laughs> Secondly, hey, man, we live and die and, and, and buy it. And, you know, you, you just got to hang in there with it and enjoy every moment for sure.
1: Well, speaking to your point on that and your passion, there's an awesome, awesome video that I believe Bulldog Illustrated did. And it's, it's uh, maybe 09 is when they did it. But it's, it's a snapshot over three minutes of different snippets of you from the game and it's video of you. And to see you interacting with the game as you're doing the announcing is awesome because the passion is so evident. And again, we're going to post it in our show notes because it's worth a watch for all Dogs fans. And it does an awesome job. It interlaces a lot of your catchphrases in with the game action itself. And it's really, really cool. So um, I, I loved watching that just cause I, I was like, see, he's just like us.
0: <laughs> oh, I promise you, man. Thank you for saying that, but you're, you're exactly right. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, um, I, I will tell you, I mentioned my dad, my, my mom is in her early eighties, still goes to the game, still sits in the same seats that my parents have been in for 60 years, still loves it. There's people around them that are the same way. And it's, you know, it's all, it's in our blood and it'll never change. And you'll be, you'll be my age one day saying it, Herschel, and then I'll be my mom's age, Lord willing, one day saying it. But It's something we'll always, we'll all treasure, no doubt. Well, you've had, you've had a signature mark on our show
1: for sure, because when we were uh, first starting the show and kind of figuring out, look, if we want this to sustain itself and kind of be in line with the culture of, of Georgia football and Georgia athletics, what's like something that, everybody will recognize if they're a Georgia person, right? Something if, if they, to speak to your point, if their blood runs red and black, what will they know? And that's how we settled on Saturday in Athens. And Love it. that's, that's driven by how you open things up. And so um, that culture extends. We even, we wrote a, the theme song to our show, we wrote and it's called it's Saturday in Athens. So like, it's um, great. Right
0: i do listen to it. That's
1: all. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I just think it's neat that you have such an impact um, through what you do. And I know it's all driven by love and passion, which is why you do such a good job. Those things you can't hide or fake. So you should be commended for that and just know that, that you're loved and appreciated by, by dogs, fans everywhere. And something everybody looks forward to. So I want to know throughout your history as the voice of Sanford, and I know there are probably countless memories, but what are some of your favorite, and they don't even have to be game moments, but favorite memories from your experience over the last three decades?
0: Wow. Um, you know, and I appreciate the, the permission for the ancillary because heaven knows there's some great game memories, some excruciating losses along the way, but things like getting to introduce at one time or another Charlie Trippy. Dan McGill, Vince Dooley, Herschel Walker, Larry Munson, some great dogs being around those, those gentlemen. Um, I will tell you that the visiting coaches booth is directly above where I stand. I actually don't sit. I stand during the games on the, the kind of the lowest part of the press box. And so depending on what's said and how loudly it's said, we can hear that. And that's always, that's always interesting to pick up on some of that. Um, you know, some moments of gosh, for me personally, when I first started doing it, looking down at the seats that I grew up sitting in and seeing my dad and my uncle, John and my mom and others, uh, that was big. Um, being around long enough to see my daughter who grew up like yours is now looking and seeing her in the student section, things like that, seeing my son come along and, and do the same thing. And then the games, my goodness, um, this year takes the cake, of course, but we've had some pretty special moments. I, I'll tell you that um, over the years, and I appreciate what she said about the it's Saturday in Athens, that's something that just sort of I think I started that theme in about 1993 or so. But to see our crowd and our home atmosphere, which I know is extremely important to you, Ursula, as a DGD, and it is to me, it's gotten so much better over the years. Yeah, yep. that, I mean, it, it's demonstrably better than it once was and so that's been exciting and then just to know getting to know some of the guys along the way and see them compete and see them overcome adversity to succeed and experience something I, I mean i could literally go on and on forever but um there are a lot of special things that take place in that arena if you will that go beyond what the school board says we ask almost
1: all of our our guests this and, and i'm i i've think your answer is going to be unique just because you have generational depth of experience at Georgia between your dad, yourself, and your kids. But what does the University of Georgia mean to you and what has it meant to your
0: growth and development throughout your life? What a fantastic question. Difficult to put into words. It's the place where I grew up. It's a place where Countless family memories have been made. It's a place where I've had the, the, the privilege of earning three degrees and, and to become a proud triple dog. It's, it's been the source of my education. It has been the place where the, the best friends I have in the world um, I've gotten to know. It's been the place that we love so much that Jennifer and I, along with our children when they were young, about 18 years ago, felt compelled to move back to, even though we had no reason on paper to do that, quite frankly, we just felt led to do it, and did. It's the place that, in every way, shape, or form, just brings such vitality uh, to not our, only our lives, to the lives of others that we love. I, I just—it's hard to put into words. It is—it uh, is—it's an institution, as the great intro says at the beginning. There's no institution worthy of such loyalty as ours, and so it—it's—it is. It's special beyond what I have the words to describe for it personally.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. I, we've had the privilege of spending a lot of time there in the last 20 years. And in some ways, I don't want to say you're desensitized to it, but you go enough and it's just your expectation for it to be outstanding. Yeah. And some of my most fun memories in recent years have been taking people for the first time and then getting to see their reaction to it. Um, it was really neat. My sister's birthday fell on the weekend of Top Golf at Sanford last summer, mm. so we brought her into town and took her to Top Golf at Sanford, and just being there that weekend and sharing that as a family and whoever thought we get to hit golf balls on the on the Sanford right?
0: <laughs> so, I hope you hit better than I did, by the way. <laughs> man,
1: I will tell you what, that was a that was a neat neat event. I thought it was so cool they did that and boy, I think Josh Brooks is just going to keep doing really cool stuff. I mean, talk about, talk about a home run hiring that guy. Just awesome. He's
0: killing it. He's going to continue to.
1: Yeah. And so I, I thought that was neat culturally because what a neat opportunity too for folks who love the dogs to get to spend a summer afternoon or summer evening between the hedges in a non-traditional way. So I, I thought that was really cool and, and we really enjoyed that. And I also feel like, and you've seen this firsthand, Boy, has Athens grown and changed. And it's just so vibrant. And there's so many great places to eat. And yeah. it's just, I don't know, it's just an incredible, incredible community. I always tell my wife, like, man, I, I don't feel like I get to Athens
0: enough. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you, Hershel, it's funny you say that because I, I used to ask my dad this. He never lived in Athens. All of his involvement and all of his countless days and nights spent with Georgia. And he told me something fascinating, and I want you to remember this. He, I said, Dad, why did you never move to Athens? You love it. It's great, and all of that. And, and he said, Brooke, i I've thought about it many times, and it'd be great. He said, but the one thing, if you move to Athens, you never get to go back. And he said, the joy of going back is huge. And, and he's so right, but I'm going to tell you something. We moved, and we're never leaving. And it, it is <laughs> one thing that a lot of people don't realize, Herschel, and, and I didn't, as much as we all love it, and if, if you go to school there, you love it. If you just go to games there, you love it. It's a great place to live. It's a great place to raise it. F- it's incredibly cool to be able to take your children of any age, go downtown, go to any number of great restaurants, take a walk on North Campus, walk down and see the stadium, be counting the days until kickoff, go ring the chapel bell, not just for a win, but we went and rang it on my daughter's 21st birthday. We rang it when my son got the news he had been admitted. It's just it's there's so much more to Georgia yep. than as great as football is, there's so much more to Georgia than
1: that. Plus, if you live in town, you can get a Cecilia's birthday cake every
0: year. I mean, <laughs> you're telling me, Herschel, I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now, give me the gosh, the red velvet's amazing, the chocolate. We've I've eaten enough Cecilia cake. In my lifetime, probably for two lifetimes, for sure. That's a great.
1: Yeah, they are, they're world class. There. When we knew, when we knew we were taking Katie there for her birthday weekend, they were my first call, and we had her birthday cake from Cecilia. So we, that was it was fantastic. Also, a, a fantastic reason to go to Last Resort and get you a little Cecilia's for dessert. So, can't beat it. You're exactly right. You're exactly correct. All right, Brooke, we want to close with you how we close with all of our guests. We do something called the Smart 16, a little homage to Coach Smart and his playing days. Love it. And also some fun questions to kind of just get to know you and get to know some things that you like. So first one that we always ask, what's your middle name?
0: My middle name is Westbrook. That's where Brooke comes from. So my legal first name is actually Dan, like my dad, and the middle name is Westbrook.
1: Oh, I love that. So is Westbrook a family name or how'd they come to that?
0: It is. It's a family name that goes back in good ways. And so I was Dan Westbrook Whitmire Jr. And my son James has the same middle name. We stopped with the – I figured I had to – some people go on forever. And I was like, look, if I name him the third, then he's going to feel pressure for the fourth and on and on. <laughs> and we went ahead and cut it off there. Oh, I so. love that. I love that there's a story behind that too. My, our
1: daughter's name is, is Parker Lynn, and it's my middle name and my wife's middle name. So mm-hmm. I, I love that. Just kind of right. keep the family stuff going. All right, I know this is an
0: impossible question, but who is your favorite dog of all time? I, I've listened to some of your podcasts and, and really in, have enjoyed them. And so I've, I knew that that question was coming. And um, in fact, I, I think when you're asking Hunter Street about it a couple of weeks ago, I thought, golly, if you ask me that, what am I going to say? It is impossible. I'm going to be honest with you. It's, um, it, it depends on the era. I loved growing up in the 80s. Jeff Sanchez was one of my favorites. Terry Hogue. I mean, I could literally go on and on. Um, and some of the current guys know and love some of them. And uh, I don't know. It, it's it's really impossible. If you had to pin me down, gosh, Charlie Trippi, though yeah. I obviously never got to see him play. Many people told me, whose judgment I trust eminently, that Charlie Trippi is absolutely the greatest college football player to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. and I've seen people almost to the point of getting in a fist fight to defend that opinion would tell you now he didn't get the attention he deserved and he didn't get the press that people in the North got at the time, but he was the greatest and got to know him through my dad. He's a hundred years old. He's, he's yep. the guy who lived forever, I believe. And so I, I'd have to say Charlie trippy, even though I'm cheating because I never got to see him play. Well, I
1: love that answer. I, first of all, I think that's the first uh, answer of Charlie Trippy that we've gotten. So I love that. We always like a first-time answer. I right. will also say I love the Terry Hogue mention. We're a little biased. We had Terry on the show, and he just was as kind as he could be mm-hmm. and loved his story. And from hearing his story, then ordered some of his wine and have grown yeah. up to love his yeah. wine.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm to ask if yeah. you get any wine out of the deal, hopefully.
1: Yeah, so that's one of our stops now when we come back to Athens is we go to Five Points Bottle yep. Shop because they carry it. Right. Um, and I, see, I can't find it many places here in Charleston. So I always go there and try to grab a bottle. Um, but yeah, he, he couldn't have been nicer and what a funny story. You know, he's, he was obviously a, a singular talent based on how his career progressed, but very self-deprecating and just very, very great. So, uh, loved his story too. Uh, okay. Another impossible question, especially given, I feel like your breadth of experience and knowledge, but I'm going to try to pin you down. What is your favorite game you've ever consumed as a Dogs
0: fan? Is that home or away, Herschel? Is that anything? home or away? You oh my like gosh! You know, there's so. It's kind of like when you estimate their favorite movie or their favorite song, and you got genres and eras and all that. And you're right. I don't know that I could ever um, narrow it down to one. Recency bias might play in here some, but not really because it's hard to not say when you're at the national championship. Yeah with your wife and your son and your daughter and countless friends. So that's Indianapolis has got to be up there. I was privileged to be at the Notre Dame game and been at all three of the Notre Dame games, frankly. And that one was big. I was at Buck to Lindsay with my dad. Um, What comes to mind also the 78 tech Georgia game where we won 29 to 28 was massive. So gosh. And then Notre Dame at home, Notre Dame on the road. I mean, it's very very hard to say but i would say in terms of importance and in terms of the whole factoring everything in it's the last one we played when we when we beat the tide in indianapolis i'd have to say
1: yeah i love that answer because i i we've only had i guess three or four guests since the title and so i'm interested to see how the answers will shift yeah now that they've won the title because that's kind of a tough one to get around right it is, um, it is. I am glad you brought Notre Dame. My my wife went with me to the South Bend trip and I ask anybody who tells us that they were, they were there, but share with us a little bit about your Notre Dame trip and how magical South Bend was that weekend.
0: Magical is the word. It's unbelievable. My sister-in-law lives in Chicago. And so we went there and then made the trek over to, to South Bend. And as you experienced, I know Herschel, It was just, it was the stuff of dreams. I mean, it was a gorgeous day. The campus is beautiful. The people couldn't be nicer. You know, you've got the tradition that's just steeped there. And then let's not forget what a game. I mean, what an incredible game. And I really believe that was, you know, we talk about the moment of this season and when we all knew it was something special, that was a turning point moment for, for Georgia football. That, that really, we had something when we left there that night and, um, Gosh, it's I, a friend of mine put it this way, Herschel, and I, and I can appreciate this. He said, man, he, he said everything that you would say and I would say, and then he said, I have no plans to ever go back there again because he said nothing can ever top it. Um, I'll go if we play again. I'll try again. I won't go that far, but it was, uh, gosh, what a special, special day. Yeah, it's
1: one of those things where I've become the biggest evangelist for South Bend football trips. Uh-huh. I always tell people, I'm like, if you have never been, and you are in any way, shape, or form a consumer of college football. And somebody says, hey, you want to go see Notre Dame play Western Michigan? The answer is immediately yes. Like, I don't care who the opponent is. exactly. You have to go. The ghosts are real. It's yep. kind of like walking into old Yankee Stadium, I feel like. It I mean, it's, it's a palpable energy.
0: I mean, my only complaint would be, or so, and it's, it's a trivial one, but I, you know, that was the first year that they ever had a video board there. Yeah. And I wanted, all those years, they were the last ones to. I mean, it was just football, no advertising, no nothing except Notre Dame football. They've come off of that a little bit. Still amazing, don't get me wrong. But it was, um, like you said, I would tell anybody: go when you don't care, go when there's just to see the game, and it's not something you've got any any rooting interest in because it's it's special, no question. And how is it possible, man, that we bring them back and we beat them down here too? I mean, you kept on thinking. Surely the law of averages will kick in and maybe they'll get us. But golly, we've had, we've had some incredible experiences in Notre Dame games, that's for sure.
1: Okay, I'm, this is a tough one. And it's, it's, I think, a little bit of a hot button issue right now with all of the SEC scheduling concerns. Mm-hmm. But what is your favorite rivalry that the dogs have?
0: I'm going to answer that this way, Herschel. And this is another one of those ones where we could all debate forever. And it all depends on frame of reference and perspective. I'm going to tell you what I believe to be the most important rivalry and then talk about some favorites. The most important rivalry was, is, and always will be tech, period. Yeah. People that don't understand that or don't believe that, and I say this with all respect, they're either ignorant of history or more likely and better they just haven't had to experience the history. We're dominating Tech as we should. We're destroying them. We, we need to win 30 in a row against them. They don't provide the same level of, of competition or importance on one level that Florida and Auburn do. But Tech will always be the most important work. Is it my favorite? Gosh, I, I, I have such antipathy toward them that it's hard to use the word favorite in anything involving Tech. My favorite is probably Auburn. It's the South's oldest rivalry. I enjoy a lot. and I know this question's coming. I enjoy going to Jordan-Hare and have for decades. It's yeah. sort of, I would call it a, and, and I'm going to have to get dibs on this if anybody ever wants to do it, but I've always thought if I, if I wrote a book about the Georgia-Auburn series, I'd title it Sibling Rivalry because that's what yeah. it really is. There's so many connections there. Um, and I, it's, so that's probably my favorite, but the most important rivalry is Tech.
1: So two things. Tech has been an answer more than we anticipated, okay. and I think it's it has been generational too though sure sure the the younger guests that we've had who have only experienced Georgia dominance in the series it I think it feels less weighty to them, right But we get it more from probably our age and up yeah. so it's really interesting kind of the split there. And it's it's almost in line with folks who were starting to consume Georgia football as Coach Rick got there, <laughs> which in all yeah. honesty, it hasn't been, been much of a oh rivalry per se since. But before then, it wasn't always that way,
0: you know? Well, it wasn't. But let me, let me mention this to you, Herschel, and I know that, that your pedigree, this isn't lost on you. I think it is on a lot of people, though, however – It is utterly shameful to me, and it ought to just make all DGDs lose sleep at night. We've lost to tech now at Grant Field, and I'll go to my grave saying this 99, the game stolen. We really won that game. We really have not legitimately lost there, gosh, since 1989. We have dominated them at Grant Field, on Grant Field, shamefully. We have lost to Tech in Sanford Stadium, 2000. oh, oh my gosh, 2008, yeah. 2014, 2016. It is yeah. – and, and I've got some feelings on that, I will tell you, and I know I know you've got time limits here, Herschel, but, I mean, talking about games and scheduling and times and all that, I, I'm a big traditionalist, but I'm telling you right now, make me king for a day, we're moving the Tech game to the opener of the season every year. It's in oh, a terrible spot wow. for us. It's after yeah. – giving students are gone. The atmosphere is not where it needs to be. We're not where yep. we need to be in an atmosphere standpoint. And they come in a couple of times and a couple of times we got screwed on some calls and all that, but how shameful is it? Coach Rick, incredible record. He had two non-conference losses in Sanford stadium. And I'll let you figure out who those two were, were Yeah. And so it, it is, you know, we're quick to say you accurately. So we're dominating tech. and It's more important to be in Florida in many ways. You got Alabama and Auburn and all that. But my gosh, it is is shameful that we have lost to Tech at home and not even over there. It's crazy. Yeah, that's a really good
1: point. And I I guess I haven't digested that to think about. But, I mean, and the years that we lost, I'm just talking, obviously, this is a paper conversation, but those games should not have been tight. And yeah. I know when Coach Johnson was there, they had gimmick offense and XYZ and whatever, but I think all the things you mentioned are real because we've been to multiple Georgia Tech games, you know, Thanksgiving weekend and it's the Saturday of Thanksgiving. So like people are still kind of lollygagging. And yeah, I think there is a lot of credence to that. Well, um, man,
0: imagine for one second, Herschel, that we're talking about the start of next season or any other season and now, granted, we're playing we're playing the Ducks and the Bend. That's a big game. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of big games, and we may not have time to get into all the scheduling nuances. But I'm all for an eight game or a nine game SEC schedule. But that notwithstanding, the opening game is always it's always a big deal. How about Tech at seven thirty? On let's let's pack that place out. Let's make it loud as anything, and and make a big deal out of it. Annihilate them and then get on about our business. Now I know it's rivalry weekend, and you got TV, and there's all these other considerations. But man, we've done away with finishing with Ford Auburn and tech. We've done away with some other yeah. things that were traditional. And and I'm not a disrespectful to tradition, but listen, I'd absolutely move that thing and and play it the first game or play it in October. Play it, you know, Sometime. make it to where when they come to Sanford Stadium, they get the Sanford Stadium experience that they deserve.
1: Well, in all honesty, if we're talking about tradition and legacy, all that went to hell in a handbasket when we stopped playing Auburn in November, right? I mean, don't even start. Don't. <laughs> so, so, all that is up for grabs. Now we've all learned that that TV is going to rule that roost. Yeah. So if if they wanted to change it, the powers that be could change it if they felt like. It. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm real interested to see I it seems so blatantly obvious that the three, six model is the way to go as the expansion happens, because I just can't just as a Georgia fan, I can't digest it. I, I don't know how you could live in a world where you miss either playing in Florida or Auburn in a regular, it just wouldn't feel right. Um, so I, they, they have to get that right. Um, it would be unacceptable to, miss playing Auburn every year. Cause it's like, I was having this conversation with somebody and they said, who will it be? And I said, it will be Florida. If they did a one seven, that's who they would get because they're in the East and they're not going to give away that cocktail party three thirty kick every Halloween weekend on CBS. Well, it will be ESPN, but that will not go away. So that will be who the rivalry is, but I've learned this doing this podcast. If you asked the Georgia fan collective, I'm not unconvinced the answer wouldn't be Auburn, that they would give it all up to keep Auburn on the schedule. That That's my
0: feeling on it. I think when you factor it all in, Herschel, the, the history, the South's oldest rivalry, all of that, I, I would agree with you. And I, if, if if you put the gun to my proverbial, proverbial gun to my head and said, okay, you get to pick one and it can't be Florida and Auburn, and I agree with you totally, it's got to be both. But if it could only be one, I'd have to say Auburn. Yeah. Um, go from there, but it's, um, I've got a world of confidence as I know you do. in Josh Brooks, he's uh, yeah. going to do a phenomenal job. He's going to represent us well, but it is, uh, we've given more than our fair share of consideration to other people's interests with this dang scheduling business. And I'm, I'm Boy. it's, uh, you know, we're going to have Tennessee, Auburn and tech between the edges this year, next year, we won't have any of them. Yep. And and there's something, you know, for years we had Tennessee and Vanderbilt, you would go to Tennessee back-to-back, the state of Tennessee back-to-back. We we had the years where we switched to Auburn and had two games in a row down there. Then we moved it to October. I'll be honest with you, um, Herschel, the Florida game, and I'm dating myself here some as well, the Florida game needs to be in November. That's where it landed for 50 years. We moved that when we went to divisions. A big piece for me is, and I am getting ahead of some questions here, Then I know you'll ask any dog fan that's gone to Kentucky. It's a great road trip for forever and a day. We played it in October where you had the chance to go see the horse racing, which the, the, the fall meeting ends in October. And so if you play in November, you don't get to go to Keeneland. We've thrown that away. So we go to Kentucky in November now, whereas it used to be, we'd play them in October then we would have either a non-conference game or a week off and then Florida. So could go on forever about that. But to your point earlier, and I think I'm making the same point, hey, tradition's gone to hell in a handbasket. And I say that tongue-in-cheek. So what's the big deal if we make a couple other changes that benefit Georgia this time? Right. Well,
1: I'm going to piggyback off what you said, because the next question is what is your favorite away
0: stadium in the Southeastern Conference? You know, I haven't been to uh, Haven't been to Missouri yet, haven't been to College Station because, again, going back to scheduling, we haven't played them yet over there. Yep. So I haven't been to those two, been to the rest of them. In no particular order, I would tell you, I love going to Jordan here. Um, I love Kentucky. It's a great trip. It's a great stadium. And this is one that, growing up, got to go to every other year, and we don't do it anymore, and it's a scheduling function. But Ole Miss and the Grove. Yeah, yeah. It's, and the stadium. I mean, so those would be my three favorite in SEC.
1: Those are all good ones. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you said Kentucky. We have had multiple people. My brother and I try to do a different road destination each year. I think we've pretty much locked in. We're going to be in Starkville this year, so we're going to do that and check that off, but Kentucky's up there. We've we've bandied that about. It's one of those that the places we've lived, that's not been an easy drive, so it's a flying trip. changes the calculus one a little bit, but we're at the point now where that's a little more doable. So we, we've talked because we've heard from lots of people like it's great time. You guys should do it. So we're going to put up on that. Yeah. I didn't even think about the horse racing piece of it. So I am fully on board with
0: your plan for that. Because if I could watch the ponies and watch the dogs the same weekend, count me in. Pull, pull out a media guide sometime or an older media guide, uh, Herschel, and just look back through the decades and notice the dates of when we played games. And it was always on or about October 27th. And it was always a night game. This is even before the TV changes. And you could go to Keeneland, which any Kentuckian will tell you. Churchill Downs, of course, has got all the fame because of the Derby. Keeneland is by far the prettiest and coolest place to see a horse race. Yeah. Go there all day, go to the game at night. It's beautiful. Drive if you can make the drive. And I hear you on the, the flying piece. But when it's in November, I mean, you can go tour, Keeneland, but you can't go see a race because, I don't know, we played Kentucky at home in October but not on the road. Can't yeah.
1: Answer. Well, that's what we're going to start stumping for that. We're going to get behind that. We're going to start right. pushing well, that. You, know, <laughs> think,
0: you, know, you you say it as well. I get there is There's a lot more to scheduling. It's easy for me to sit here and say that, and there's – TV and there's contracts and there's the leagues. So I understand there's a lot more to it. And we just can't go in and say, hey, we want to move this date and that date. I get that. But there's advocacy, you know, and and, and there yeah. will be for us as well, I'm sure.
1: All right. This is probably an impossible question, too. But if you had to pinpoint, I'll even let you go three on this because you've okay. seen so many loudest home games you've ever mm-hmm. been
0: a part of at Sanford Stadium. Ooh. I'm going to go back for one, Herschel, that if you talk to anybody that was there, and this was in the early days of ESPN, although ESPN did do this game, and it was at a time where, quite frankly, our crowd noise was never what it needs to be. But kind of out of the blue, in 1987, we played LSU, and the place got deafening. We unfortunately lost a heartbreaker, 26-23, if my memory serves But ESPN named us like the national champions of fans for the year because it was just deafening. And forever, we never matched that. I didn't see us match that. And it bothered me. It bothered me when I started announcing because you go to other places and the atmosphere was – I mean, at one time I would say, honestly, Herschel, we were middle of the pack at best in the SEC in terms of loudness. And I don't know, you know, it's a chicken or the egg argument. Are you loud because you win or do you win? Cause you're loud. And I would, I would vote for the latter because you need to create that atmosphere. So that's one I would give you. It's close because, and I may cheat on you with the three here, but LSU in 2013 was deafening also Unbelievable. Yeah. Notre Dame in 19 incredible, but I'm going to tell you, I, and my son and I were talking about this because I asked him and it's, it's amazing on a lot of levels. And I know I'm not the first to say this, but the second false start penalty against Arkansas, yes, I couldn't hear. I mean, I have my spotter Tommy Ora, who couldn't be a better spotter in America, he's he's next to me. I can't hear, him. and that ref goes out and, and signals the false start, and it was like somebody just took a volume switch, and ja- it was unbelievable, and it really says something about. And I know again, I'm not the first person to point this out, but Coach Dooley used to say. Um, and I'll, I've never forgotten this. I learned so much from that man. But he used to say, you get what you demand. And by that, if I demand, if I'm the owner of a company and I demand punctuality of my, out of my employees, I'm going to get it. If I demand that my yard look good, I'm going to get it. Hey, if we demand that we have a hell of an atmosphere, frankly, even at a noon game, we can do it. And Coach Smart demanded it, and we got it. And I'm telling you, I know I'm getting ahead to another question. I used to – I would have been all for a constitutional amendment against noon games. <laughs> but, man, I'm telling you, after that one, and then when you can go home and, and see the games you want to see on TV, I can yeah. tell around if it's like Arkansas.
1: I'm really, really happy that you made the point about coach smart. And I want to ask you a tangential question off of this. And again, this is just something that we've kind of talked about and workshopped on our own, but I think, and I'm hoping this is starting to change now that he is a national champion, but I am of the opinion that Kirby Paul smart does not get nearly enough credit for, what he has done as a program builder, not not just as a head coach, but as a program builder, and his knack for understanding how to move all the pieces on the chessboard, not just recruiting, not just facilities, not just X's and O's. He utilizes the media to speak to the fan base, and he's very cognizant that that's what he is doing. That proclamation in Nashville after the Vanderbilt game was intentional and it worked. And so I just think he is a maestro when it comes to picking the strings of the Georgia football program, and he should get credit for that.
0: 100% correct, Herschel. And I'll tell you quickly that had the opportunity to be in his press conference when he was introduced, and somebody asked a question about Um, If he was going to be involved in the details of something, I forget what it was. It might've been the, uh, the offense or game planning or whatever. And he said, I'm going to be involved in the details of everything. And the place erupted in applause. And I will tell you, there's an art and, and he's a detailed guy. Obviously he's, he's, he's very intelligent. Uh, He's organized. He's all of those things. I don't, I don't work for the man. So maybe, maybe others would say otherwise, but, I believe that he is a master at being involved in. And as you said, I love the word. He's a maestro with the details without being a micromanager to where other people can't do their jobs. Todd Munkun's doing his job and he's yeah. letting him do his job. Okay. And the guys that are involved doing social media and other things and all that goes into appropriate recruiting, Lord knows we've got, that's why we've got the staff that's exploded through the roof. And it's all with good reason. He lets those people do their jobs But make no mistake, he is aware of everything that's going on with that program. And listen, Herschel, this is the thing. And I I was told by a a, a player that I knew and respect greatly that when Coach Smart came into his first team meeting room, I wasn't there, but I I trust who told me this, that he he, he put his forefinger and his thumb close together and he he said, guys, this is the difference between where y'all are right now and where Alabama is. It's not – it's not – light years away it's and and where is that detail uh herschel you know we all ask that it's like what makes the difference why are we able to make one more play or get it a little bit louder or get the facilities just a little bit better it, it's somewhere in those details that you've that you've got to get down in that granular area and figure out and and you don't necessarily know what makes the difference but something does and i'm telling you the man i don't know if he sleeps and i don't know i hope he takes care of himself yeah he he's he has really done, uh, and, and I agree with you totally. I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. It doesn't just happen.
1: No, it, it doesn't, and I think um, that's one of the reasons we are so high on everything right now as it pertains to the program. And we say all the time on this show that I, I'm a I'm a big Orioles baseball fan. Okay. And Buck Showalter was the manager for a number of years and I loved Buck and I used to consume a lot of his press conferences because his father was an educator for decades in Florida and Buck just had a, a wiseness to him. And he used to always say that people are always pining for the good old days. And he used to say people that are Orioles fans should understand the good old days are right now. And That's what I always say now about being a Georgia fan is that the good old days are right now. And open your eyes and breathe it in because this is high cotton we're living in.
0: It is. And I'm telling you, Herschel, I'm hard pressed. A longtime buddy of mine, dog fan. We were talking about it last week. And he asked me this question. And I started going down the list of everything I can think of. We've never been at a better place in, in any department whatsoever. And so I will say this, there's no room. We got to be together. That's the one thing. We mm-hmm. gotta be together. And, and and people that can't be happy with a championship and wanna sit there and still question. I, I'm telling you this, and I, you know, I, I love going to road games. I get to sit in the stands and yell and scream and, and do all the things I can't do at home. But the, the times I've come closest to getting into it with somebody, honestly, is with a Georgia fan who's who's criticizing Kirby Smart for a decision, yep. or, or getting on the Stetson Bennett ridiculousness when all the guy's done is outplay everybody in the world and win a championship. It's like, listen, man, shut up and enjoy it. If I can be that frank, it's like, hey, listen, don't. <laughs> this is as good as it gets, and we got a chance to really pour it on and, and have a true golden era. That's exactly right.
1: And that's, that's our thing is like, enjoy this, you know, Amen. like be this happy. Is a, this is a beautiful time to be a fan <laughs> of the dogs. And I think too, it's, it's neat to think about it from the long-term too, to yeah. see that this is something that's being built. And, you know, you got 15 guys who are now representing the University of Georgia in the NFL. That's only going to continue the evolution of the brand and the eyeballs on the university. Yep. And so, I, and it's one of those things too, where it's rising tide raises all boats, right? So, yeah. I mean, the university itself is going to experience an elevation and an escalation. I saw an article on this. I don't know if if you heard or read anything about this, bro. because I don't know what the metrics are on it. I can't quote the science or the economics on it. But I read an article in a magazine that said, since Nick Saban has taken over at Alabama, I believe it was Birmingham has become the first or second fastest growing city in the South. Now, you think those two things don't
0: work hand in hand together? Of course, there's a correlation. Absolutely. And I've been told, um, Herschel, and I'm sure this is true, and I'm sure it will continue to be true, but you win a national championship and I know George has experienced this, the applications for admission to the university go up the ones yep. who get admitted. And, you know, there's an actuarial science, to this you admit a certain number and then you plan on a certain number of coming. More of them are coming. Dorms yep. are in greater demand. Donations go up. Look at the fina- financial health of our athletic department. Yep. Look at the facilities that we built, which are just insane. L- look at the, um, all the good things that are going on off the field. I mean, it's just, it's, it's now I'll say this to Ursula, and I know we got to move on, but you go in that stadium now and we all get to look up and see national champions. we've had to move 1942 and we got 1980 and 2021 and I'm standing there G day before the game. And I'm looking up at that and I'm like, the only thing that could be sweeter than this is in about five, six, seven, eight years to look up there and, we got a couple more, yep. going And then people look back at the twenties, like we look at the New York Yankees in the twenties. Yep. Let's look back at the twenties and say, "Boy, that's the decade of the dogs." And and it can happen, but it's you got to keep going. You can't quit. One more thing, I want to ask you, and I'll let this lie. But
1: uh, we have a theory that part of the shift in dynamic under Kirby. And part of the thing we thought he would have to fight as head coach is I think there was somewhat of an Eeyore syndrome about Georgia fans because of all that had gone wrong and all the oh so close moments in the 40 year gap, right? And we talked about in some ways the biggest hurdle is going to be getting over the mountain the first time so that the fan base and the supporters will go. Hey, we are winners. That's right. We're supposed to be here. That's right. As opposed to before, it was always well, we're the we're the lovable loser. You know yeah, what I mean? That's I a do.
0: big. That's a shifting it, 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 dynamic. It, it, you're you're onto something there, Herschel. And I will tell you, you go back and you look at Clemson, and some people don't even remember this now, but there was an expression before Davo got at Clemsoning. Clemsoning. Yeah. Okay. And I will tell you this, and I say this with all due respect. Everybody's got their opinion. They're entitled to it. We all love the dogs. We all want to win, all of that. But I better not have anybody say to me again, only Georgia. Well, yeah. we're going to only Georgia. No, no, no. Hey, listen, Georgia's the national champion. Okay? That's right. We're on the top of the freaking mountain. That's and right. We're and we're winners, And we're just getting started. That's the attitude. And so to say, now look, eventually we're going to lose another game. It, it may be sooner than we think. We may have a game where we lose that we that we should have won. And the moment that happens, if somebody says, well, here we go again, no, you tell them respectfully, close your mouth. We're the nationals. Yep. But, no, I think you're – again, these are these are intangible, qualitative things. You've got the quantitative measurements that we can all look at all day long, and there are more of those than ever. We're GPS and players, and we've got every yep. staff, man. But there's still the qualitative of what do you think when you're walking into that stadium as a fan? How do you feel? And it's a shift. And the way I feel walking out of that place down in Jacksonville is a lot different than it used to be. And and it's qualitative and it's intangible and it's subjective, but it is absolutely real. And I think you're spot on, Herschel.
1: Well, it's just an expectation shift, right? I I would say in the past, the expectation was what will go wrong. And now the expectation is we are going to be excellent. That's a yeah. big shift. Yeah. yeah, And so I, I, I felt that in the way they played on the field this year. I think historically, in years past, if what had happened in Atlanta had happened, January 10th doesn't happen, right? Yeah.
0: Historically. And, and, yeah, I agree. And I, I think that going back to your earlier question and Point Herschel, The strength of this team, as much as – listen, I wanted to beat Alabama and the Benz as much as anybody. But, But the one thing that this team got a chance to prove that it otherwise would not have gotten the chance to prove is could it respond to that adversity and that disappointment and all of that, and it did. So we all wanted to win, but coming back the way we did, it's the stuff of legends, but it also – Proves another thing about the character of that team because we walked out of that stadium and I mean, you know, we all thought, gosh, is this it? Is the dream dead? And I remember my mom telling me, she's like, no, this team, this team, it's too special not to get it done. And mention one other thing real quickly, Herschel. I don't know if you're this way, but the Orange Bowl has quickly become the most underrated game. I, let's not go back and watch that tape. My, yeah. heaven. We, we yeah. played. I mean, you talk about being prepared and absolutely dominating an opponent, and and just the play calling and the execution and the the crispness in a, in a bowl game. Yeah, it was unbelievable, and in hindsight, it shows where we were heading on the tenth. But and I'll give I'll give Coach Smart and his staff a whole lot of credit because man, that's people have just kind of forgotten what a great game that was.
1: Well, and think about the. Whatever it was, twenty-one day narrative leading into that national darling Michigan coming off Dolly Whoppin, Ohio State, and you know Georgia that it happened again. Nick Saban in Alabama got them again. And are they real? And did they play anybody? And yeah. are they going to respond? And all the things, right? And they came out, and in that first quarter, of football showed the entire country. Y'all shouldn't have doubted this, right? And boy, that was one of those ones where you're watching it and you're going, this is joyful because I feel no stress because they are just dominating this football game. But also because I felt like they were making a statement. Like y'all have yeah. under made it us. Now look out.
0: Absolutely. And you've forgotten. Yeah. Us and you're overlooking us and all that stuff. Um, no question. No question.
1: Okay. Question seven. You get okay. to choose the headlining app. It's the Georgia theater. Who do you choose?
0: You know, man, I'm so old. Um, Hershaw, I'd go back too far, but I'm going to tell you who I'd pick. And I, I was, again, telling my son that this question was coming, having listened to your previous podcast. I'm going with the Dirty Govs, man. The Dirty Govs. Put them in there tomorrow. I'll be there. Love that band. Saw them there when they were here last fall. There's some others I'd put in there going back with some history, but I've got to say the Govs.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. Speaking of the cocktail party, what's the yeah. cocktail
0: you're mixing for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? I'll mix the best Bloody Mary that anybody's had this side of Charleston, okay? I'm just telling you. I, I, there's plenty of things I'm not talented at, but I can make you a great Bloody Mary rehearsal. If All that's right. not available, I'll pour you a tropical. <laughs>
1: All right, well, when we are in Jacksonville together, we're going to hit you up and I'm going to take you up on that. Done. <laughs> All right, I don't want to get you in trouble because I know you live in town and I'll, yep. I'll again, I'll allow you some, some leeway on this to name a couple if you need to. Okay, but... Let's say you have moved out of the classic city and to take your, to your dad's words, you have, you've gone back and you're there for one
0: meal. Yep. Where are you eating in Athens? You've already said it. I'm going to the last resort, Herschel. And I will tell you, there's a lot of great ones, love many of them. And I could give you a list, but Jennifer and I, this, this is a tribute to the last resort. We've been married for 25 years. We ate there the night we got engaged and it's still there and it's still going strong. And we were there a couple of weeks ago. It's still amazing. I can yeah. still sit in the same table where I sat with my bride to be. And it's just, it stood the test of time and it's a fabulous restaurant. But man, what a great thing about Athens! Because I honestly could give you a list yeah. and you know this of every possible uh, style and, and cuisine and everything else is just incredible.
1: Yeah. That was- We uh we took my sister there for her birthday dinner. That's where we went was to was to last resort. And man, it's just a cool place to eat too. And they've done great things, like the turf area outside now is awesome. And you know, it's it's just a and it's in a great location. Like downtown Athens, it's just it's just amazing,
0: incredible, (laughs) man. It's the best. listen, I lived in Atlanta for years. I'm an Atlanta native. We a lot of great things about Atlanta that people don't understand. When you can drive, have no traffic have everywhere in the world to park. You get to go pick any of a number of incredible restaurants, bars, whatever, then go take the stroll down to Sanford stadium and back. And then, I mean, it's, it's quiet place. Oh
1: yeah. You can't beat it, man. You just can't. No sir. Okay. I mean, I'm
0: interested to see what you say on this. Do you have any game day superstitions? You know, I'm going to quote the great Michael Scott from The Office. I'm, I'm not superstitious. I'm kind of stitious, not super. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't have any any go tos that have stood the test of the time. But like most DGDs, uh, Herschel, man, I've been known to wear the same shirt if it's going well, yep. or the same boxers, even whatever. I mean, I'll, yep. I'll. It's going well. Keep it going. So it just depends. But there's no. Um, I do. You know. I've got my little pregame rituals of I'm going to walk in the same way and I'm going to go put my stuff down and I try to make my way down to the field just to get a feel for the place. And I'm looking at some of the same things and listening to some of the same music. We all do those sorts of things, but it's kind of stitchious.
1: Yeah. Not super um, man. I, lo- I love that. Yeah. Okay. What is your favorite Sanford stadium pregame tradition, which is kind of tough, right? Cause you're part of some of them.
0: <laughs> you know what? It's, it's isn't it great that we can all sit here and get chills thinking about any of a number of things and i know yeah. the answers i'm sure some of your your guests have given i love the the trumpeteer which is in yep. uh, really that's a relatively recent thing if you go back to history i tell you for me and and I, i'll 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 answer it a different sort of way because it's it's it, it's for me, it's the moment when the fans engage. And so for yeah. me, and I'm not saying this as a flex or as braggadocious, cause, but when, when I say it's Saturday in Athens, it's not the saying of that, but I it's when I hear that crowd for the first time. Yeah. It just, I don't know, man. It's just like we've all anticipated it. We all, especially if it's a big game, we all know it's coming. We're all there for the same reason. But that just is like, man, they're into it and it's time to go. And then, gosh, the trumpeteer, the team running out. I mean, it's um, I, there's so many, I mean, it's just, and I, I would say this to the pregame traditions that all these families and fans have that, man, it's, it's seeing the people you sat with for years. It's the tailgate. It's pulling up to your parking place and getting out and giving a hug to somebody opening day that you hadn't seen since. And I don't, I get to say not the last game, but you hadn't seen since the national championship celebration. It's all those things that are not necessarily in the stadium, but that everybody, it's different for everybody. And yet it's the same. That's a long winded answer, but that's the best I got for you.
1: So I, I've told my co host boss this and
0: I'm going to throw it at you. I've
1: never really told anybody else this, but I want to see what you think. To me, a Saturday in Athens is, a Sunday church service in reverse. Okay. Okay. We are, we are all coming to a quasi sanctuary gathering in support of a common love to have fellowship and to devote ourselves to a passion and a love that we all have. And we all get to share that in this case, three hour experience together. And there are certain rituals during that service that we partake in and we all find comfort in and is a touch point for us in that season of our life. And then at church, what do we do after church? We go out and have, we have church picnic on Sunday afternoon, right? So at the ball game, we just do it different. We have the church picnic first and then we go to service afterwards. Love it. So... so that's I, gold right there. So, I mean, you got it. I think you get that's,
0: you're spot on again. I just think and for Southerners, great. for Southerners, that's all real, you know? I was about to say, for the sons of the South, like you and I are, That that's, you, you got me with that. That's exactly, you, you, you've said it just right.
1: Okay. Black jerseys,
0: yes or no? 100% yes. 100% yes. Make it part of the uni- I mean, it's it's part of our colors. They look great. It doesn't have to be a big to-do. Just wear the things. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think they look great. And it's a, it's a school color. So I mean, yeah, we're red and black, man. What's, what's the big deal? We're red and black. If your blood yeah. runs red and black, okay? That's, I mean, that's it. We're, we're the same, man. All right, what is the loss you're still not over? Oh, well, man,
0: I touched on it earlier, but in 2008, we were poised to beat Tech for the eighth straight time, which we've never done. I want you to think about that. We've dominated tech. We still haven't matched the drought of the fifties that my dad lived through and that I heard stories of growing up. And until Theron snap, Theron Sapp broke the drought. I've, I've, one That's of my right. professions is my dad, I've got a lot of his old sideline passes and Theron Sapp was a friend of his. He gave him a practice Jersey that I have. I mean, it's deep. And you i the practice
1: jersey to- from the drought breaker.
0: I got it, brother. And I'm telling you, <laughs> That's I awesome. wanted. I mean, this, Herschel, this is deep now. I wanted to break the drought while my dad was still alive. He passed away five years ago. We're winning our eighth in a row. We're going to beat him. It's 2008. My dad actually came up and left his seats and sat with me. And we got a lead at the half, and we're going to win. And we blew it. And and when I say we blew it, we blew it. Yeah, they had the gimmick offense and all that, but I, I I just think we we blew it and we lost 45 to 42. And that was the second. We actually had the chance in 98 to get eight in a row. That was before replay. We got screwed on a call. We lost them. If it weren't for the 14 squib kick debacle and the 16 giveaway, you understand that. now? Two years back losses in Sanford stadium within the last six years to not Florida to tech. If it weren't for those two, we'd be at eight straight. So I'm not over the 08 Tech game. I'm not over the 99 Tech game. The one that was hardest for me, and I'm telling you as bad as the Natty loss was in 18, and people forget, and I don't mean to sound like a, an excuse maker, but I'll go to my grave saying officiating was a massive part of that. People forget it, but it was. As tough as that was, the 2012 Alabama SEC Championship. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. I mean, I, I I lost sleep over that one for days. And 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 here again, it's the fine line, Herschel. Go back to that moment. We pull that out. Yeah. We might have four national championships by now. I mean, you never yeah. know. So yeah, there's been several. The losses, the tough losses seem to be tougher than the great wins are great. But we need to reverse that, too. We need to yeah. – we, we ask these questions, and, we, and they're good ones. And I've got a list of them just like you do. But we need to spend more time, as you do, on this show. Let's talk about those great wins that we've enjoyed, and there's more to come.
1: Yeah. It's funny. You know, obviously 17 season was, was a bittersweet ending with what happened in the 18 title game, but I will always remember that year for second Saturday of the season in South Bend and mm-hmm. opening 2018 mm-hmm. in Pasadena. I mean, two mm-hmm. of the more memorable weekend experiences of my life and I got to do one with my wife and one with my brother. Unbelievable. And yeah. So I, I think that's a great point. Like, yes, that 18 title game gutted me. I always say it was as if somebody removed all the bones from my lower half and I just collapsed. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, there was so much magic in that year. And, and let's be honest, that was an unexpected ride. We were not anticipating, Gosh. especially after Jacob gets hurt in the first game. So I, I try to take that season for the magic that it was. And, gosh, what a a run that would have been out of nowhere if they had capped it. But SEC title, win in South Bend, win in Pasadena, and gave Alabama the Giant all they wanted. And I really think that was the -the turn-the-tide moment where folks started to go, wait a minute, we're supposed to be here. We can hang. Yeah, that that season will always be special to me, even though it ended so so bittersweetly. I think that was the pivot point for the program that, hey, here we are and we're not going anywhere. And I thought Kirby set that tone to harken back to what we talked about, him being smart. He said, we will be back here sooner rather than later. And you talk about a steadying message for not just the fans, but for his players and the kids that
0: were coming into play for him. Like, hey, look. Get used to this. That's we're right. gonna be, yeah, so, yeah. You gotta have the not to <laughs> belabor it, Herschel, but you gotta have and, and Coach Smart obviously does. You gotta have the long view. Where are you trending? Where are you heading? Yeah, it yep. stinks right now. It's it, it's it's awful. It was a terrible loss. But w- you know what does it look like in the context of the next three or four years? You got to look back sometimes to see that. But it's kind of like, yep. what trend are we on? And it's we're and listen, you can't. This is the thing too, man. You you and I think I would argue that Georgia fans in broad brush here, but Georgia fans in mass sometimes I think are more guilty of this than a lot of other fans. Look, you're not going to win every year. You got an opponent yeah. like yep. like you to say their boys are on scholarship too. I mean, yeah. there's one national champion every year. It's yep. hard to do. There's a lot of great programs out there that I haven't done in a while. There's a lot of great coaches that Joe Paterno was well into his career before he did Bobby Val and others. So, you just got to understand, man. It's, listen, we're not going to win every game. It's, yep. it's What's the state of the program and where are we? And, and listen, we're, we're at a great, great place. All right, so we've changed question 14.
1: The question okay. originally was, what's your order at the varsity? And I love the varsity. Love, yep. love, love the varsity. However, I will not ask the question anymore until there is a varsity back in Athens, Georgia. Fair, so we have shifted it now to how do you order your hash browns at the Waffle House?
0: Oh gosh, that's a great, oh man, I'm <laughs> scattered, covered, let's see, scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, and diced. Is well, how I, I, like yeah, okay. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yep. I'm, I'm going, bad. if I'm getting, if I'm getting, and, and probably quite honestly, Herschel, minimum double order, maybe triple. Okay. Yep. If you're going to do it, do it.
1: See, I, I knew we were going to get along, bro. That's, that's a, <laughs> That's a fantastic answer. Oh, I love, it. I love it. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Question fifteen: There ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs. Yes or no?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say no now. And as I mentioned earlier, I would have had a different answer before. I, I will say this though, with this caveat. We and I know this has to do with scheduling and everything else, which is part of the, the part of the deal. But man. A twelve o'clock non-conference game against a non-power five team—you're just—it's one thing to ask of the fans, and he did a brilliant job with it. It's one thing to say Arkansas is here; it's a massive game, turning point yep. game. I, you can only cash that political capital so many times, correct? But a noon game against a non-conference appointment uh, opponent when it's ninety-eight thousand degrees. You're just asking a lot, and I'm 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 deviating here a little bit, Herschel. But yeah, TV drives everything. We know that, and there's there's so many things changing about the game, but it's still about, and and we owe it to these people. You you, you owe a good product to the fans that are coming, that give money, that show up, that are loyal. Not just when we're winning championships, but when we're not, and so. Yeah, I'm not constitutional amendment guy because it can be done the right way, but we've done more than our share of noon games in the last 20 years, I can tell you. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, I thought may be giving you the nuanced answer, but that that's my answer.
1: Yeah, I think that was a lot of people's gripe when the early uh, game times were announced for this year. It's like, if ever a year Georgia's going to be featured, it's going to be when they're the Defender National Champions. Yeah. And I think to see some of the early dates, and I don't think the – the non-cons, I don't guess people were surprised about, I guess you can say, because they're the non-con opponents. I will tell you, I was a little shocked that the South Carolina game got popped at noon. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's- at noon in Columbia on September 17th. I mean, it's going to be hotter than the surface of the sun. It is. So, it is. Yeah, I, just, I, I thought that was a tough – I also – and South Carolina was so neat with this last year. Man, Sanford Stadium under the lights is a whole different thing. Like it's just, is. It uh, is. it's a neat experience and boy, does it light up with the red lights now and it's just so cool. So I do hope there are some featured moments. I'm, I'm interested to see based on the scheduling a and Alabama is the double header weekend, the same weekend that we play Auburn. So Auburn will be the 3:30 kick that weekend.
0: Um, <laughs> The one thing, and I agree with you about Columbia, and the, probably the hottest day of my life was in 1988. We went over there and got beat on a, on a hot day. I will say this, though. On the other hand, I, I'd love to get inside Kurt Smart's mind with this. I'm kind of glad to see another home team have to deal with a noon start, and we yeah. don't have to go over there at night. We don't have to travel back. The atmosphere will be different. Yes, it will be yeah. hot. So in, in some respects, we might have caught a break with that. But my, if it was in Athens and it was at noon, well – let's only look back to the last time that happened. I mean, I, yeah. that's, and I, again, it's not excuse making, but anybody that thinks that playing at noon at home is you're giving away advantages yep. that you otherwise would have. Sometimes that happens with the weather. You can't control that like Alabama in 2015, but when, you know, and we can't control s- scheduling necessarily, but yeah, it's, there's a lot to it.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. Sandstorm at noon is a whole lot different animal than sandstorm at eight o'clock.
0: Yes, so,
1: sir. Yeah, I, I I do like that point. Um, I was more thinking selfishly from the fan perspective that I will probably melt if we're there. <laughs> right, right, and your, your tailgate's a little
0: earlier, and you know. <laughs> man, I, I will say this: I'm going to go back and touch on the antithesis of your previous question. Um, if I started naming my favorite SEC stadiums, it'd be a long time before I got to Columbia. Okay. Yeah. You need to go experience it. It's 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 got its own flavor, but I mean, yeah, it's um. Um, that's, that's not one that I would put up there with a lot of others.
1: Yeah. Their location's tough. You know, they're right in the middle of the fairgrounds and it's, it's kind of like you're in a parking lot is what it feels like. Um, yeah, you are really, you're right. Yeah, you are. I mean, which is because that campus has some cool spots and five points is cool, but now it's situated around. I think that's one of the beauties of Sanford is boy. It's just, it's the centerpiece for the campus, you know? Right. Exactly right. Yeah, it's incredible. All right, last question I'll get you off the hot seat. College football playoff. Expand or find how it is?
0: You know I'm again give you a nuanced answer to that, Herschel, like you I've, I've thought about it a lot. I, I'll say this, the SEC has obviously done great with four. Yeah, however, for the University of Georgia, I contend that with four, we have year in and year out, at least of late, the hardest path of anybody in the country, because there's a great chance we're going to have to play and maybe even beat Alabama twice. Nobody else has to do that. Yeah. And in fact, you could even have a situation where you might play them three times in a year, if you had a regular season game. So while it's good for the league, it's not particularly great for us right now. That said, if we expand it or if we, if it is expanded, and I, I'm sure this is where Greg, Greg Sankey and Jerry Moorhead and the other powers that be will, will fall down, we've got to make sure we protect the interests of the league. When I say fall down, where they come down on the issue, we've got to protect the issue, the the issue, the, the, uh, the interests of the league. We've got to make it to where there's no limit on the SEC teams that can go. Like if you have – uh, an 18 playoff, and you are even more than that. And you say only three teams from the league can go. Forget that. Yeah. So, and I, this is longer answer than you're asking for. Herschel, but going back to your previous comments about the scheduling. Gosh, I'd love to see you know the three six model. I mean, I really would. And we haven't even gotten into the Jacksonville and that whole question of home and home and all that. But yes, yeah. we, we need scheduling to work at worst in a neutral fashion towards Georgia it really needs to go in favor too long it has not been it's been less than neutral for us across the board so I don't know what you make of that answer I if it expands which I think it's probably inevitable it needs to be done so in a way where the interests of our league are protected and I'm telling you man I don't I know they've thrown this out there and it's big talk and all that but don't sleep on the SEC only playoff. We could live to see it. I'm not
1: advocating. Uh, that, that was, I was going to bring that up with you because I think the other conference commissioners threw down the gauntlet with the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Greg Sankin, I think his statements have been, um, I wouldn't say committal, but they've been clear yeah. that, Hey, we've done just fine with the 14 playoff as a conference. So we now feel no impetus to change, right. Right. but we will change if it benefits us. So if right. you guys want to do eight and it's eight at-large bids, hey, baby, we're in. Yeah. But yeah. we're not doing any automatic bids and taking that bite. And there is some real steam, and it's starting to feel like kind of there might be some, some fire and not just smoke that they could seriously consider once uh, Texas and Oklahoma join, just going, hey, you know what? We're just going to do an SEC playoff. And we'll take, the, we'll take the revenue and the piece of the TV pie. And if y'all want to go AFL-NFL and, and throw somebody at us January 8th, bring it. But we're going to crown our champion. And we feel like, given the empirical evidence, that's a pretty weighty champion to crown. So, yeah, wow. it's, it's going to be very interesting.
0: It is going to be fascinating. There's no doubt. No doubt.
1: All right, Brooke. Well, we really, really appreciate you being so gracious with your time and with your stories. We love hearing your story, and thank you for for being the voice of Sanford Stadium and the voice of Saturdays for so many, brother.
0: Oh, Herschel, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Great to talk with you, and hope to do it again one of these days. And uh, and go dogs. Yes, sir. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.